0: As I mentioned in the intro to the service today, that it is not always easy to be a child of God, is it? And to walk the life of a child of God. And sometimes we think, boy, if only I were someone else, or if only I had this connection to God that someone else does, like maybe one of the prophets. Well, then it would be much easier for me to be all in and much easier for me to walk with the Lord. Well, as we look at the lives of all the prophets, one, none of them ever felt worthy to be the Lord's spokesperson. They all knew they were sinful and had no business being in the presence of God, listening to God, certainly not representing God before the people or the people before God. We look at the lives of Elijah and Elisha. Here, Elijah, he's down in the dumps because it is not easy for him to trust in the Lord and his promises. We see a challenge that Elisha faces. Do I leave my family or do I go serve the Lord? Both prophets found comfort and promise and strength not in themselves, but in the Lord. So as you and I today consider being all in for our Savior and living for him, let's remember to look to the Lord first for comfort, for forgiveness, and then also for strength and encouragement to live as the children of God that we are. The first lesson is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 19. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. This is the word of the Lord. In our second reading, St. Paul is going through an exercise that he would probably rather avoid, but he's really backed into a corner where he is forced to talk about some things all the blessings that he enjoyed as being a direct son of Abraham, his zeal and all his accomplishments. And he could probably go on to even boast about bigger things after his conversion. The miracles he did, the people that God converted through him and his message, the boldness with which he preached, the example he is for all of us. Instead, St. Paul takes the spotlight off of anything he ever did. Everything that he is and he puts it on his savior even going so far as to say I would rather talk to you about my weaknesses because then we have to talk about Jesus and then we get to talk about his strength and his comfort and his forgiveness so as we strive to be all in for our savior let us always remember that Jesus was first all in for us and the blessings and comfort that he shares the second reading is from 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians excuse me chapter 11 To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for them. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, In danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and often have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. This is the word of the Lord. The gospel for this morning is recorded in Luke chapter 9. This will be the basis for my sermon this morning. Here is Jesus' reminder and encouragement to be fully committed to him. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to them, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But that man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. May the peace, mercy, and love of your Savior, Jesus, comfort you and encourage you to be all in for him. Amen. So I've tossed out that expression all in a couple of times and typically that expression is used in gambling and let me tell you one thing about gambling. I am not in any way an authority on gambling. I am the world's worst gambler and if you ask me about it I'll tell you about my gambling experience sometime. (laughs) But I have seen a little bit on TV and I've heard people say all in especially when they're gambling which means you think your hand can beat everybody else's hand and you're willing to wager all of your chips and so you say all in and you push them all in. Either that or you're bluffing and you want everybody else at the table to think you have a really good hand so that they'll fold and then you can win the hand. It's also become a metaphor of sorts or a way of describing somebody who's fully committed to whatever endeavor it is. So much so that they are willing to go all in, all of their time, all of their energy, all of their money, all of their resources into whatever cause it is they're for. They're all in. They're fully committed. This morning in the gospel, we run into five gentlemen who are all in for Jesus. Or at least they say they are. Or at least they think they are and they want to be. All in for Jesus. We have James and John. In fact, they would say, we are so all in for Jesus that we want to destroy this whole village because they rejected him. That's how all in for Jesus we are. And the other three gentlemen, we're just going to call them guy one, guy two, and guy three. They say, we're willing to follow Jesus anywhere, do anything for him. They say they're all in, but we'll take a look at it and see if they really are All in. For Jesus, In a way, these five people, they represent and they summarize for us our way, a human way of being all in for Jesus. And I would imagine that if I were to lump all of us, which I just did, into their category of their way of being all in, you might take issue with me. Because you and I, we like to say, we like to think, yeah, I am all in for Jesus. And I think you would have a pretty good defense because I would imagine that even on your worst day, you don't want Jesus to completely wipe out or to completely destroy anybody, more or less a whole town full of people. Some of you could probably say, well, I've never let, you know, a house, a place to lay my head or my pursuit of a house come between me and Jesus or burying a loved one that's never come between me and Jesus or any family situation anything we're going through at home it's never come between me and my Savior I am I'm all in and I think that's a pretty easy defense to make but at the same time when we start doing that when we start to say oh I've I've never done that and I am all in for Jesus doesn't that call our bluff right away Doesn't that show just how much we need to have our Savior remind us what all in for Jesus really means? And so this morning, we're going to take a look at what it means for us and for our way for the world and all of our supporters to be all in. And what it means for Jesus to be all in. All in for all of us for the world. It's a little wishy-washy, isn't it? And it's completely subjective when we say that we are all in. James and John, they said, we are all in and we're ready to prove it. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And don't you agree that these are pretty passionate men? And don't you think that it's kind of a neat stand that they're taking, that they're not going to put up with it? Anybody who wants to deny Jesus to come into their village? Anybody who's bad-mouthing their Savior? Anyone who's maybe taking cheap shots at them because they represent their Savior? These are passionate men, and they say, no, we are all in. And Jesus, we want you to do something about this. Well, What about love your neighbor? What about love your enemies? What about letting God take revenge and letting God deal with people who reject him? What about these other three gentlemen too? What about guy one? Apparently wanting to shore things up a little bit before he is all in, for Jesus, but that's not the way he looks at it. If you would ask guy one, he would say, oh, no, I'm all in for Jesus, except this one thing. You know, I need to secure my place. I need a place to lay my head. I need a house. And once I have that, then I'm all in. But that doesn't mean I'm not all in, does it? And then there's guy number two. Guy number two, he just wants to bury his father. That's not a bad thing, is it? He wants to honor God, keeping the fourth commandment, honor your father. So he wants to take care of things. And he says, I'm all in except for this. But I'm still all in, right? And then there's Guy 3. He has some family issues that he wants to take care of also. And doesn't God tell us to do that? Doesn't God tell us to look out for and to provide for people, especially those that he has entrusted to our care? And isn't it? It can't be a bad thing for guy number three to want to look out for his family. I mean, he's all in too, right? Except for that one thing. Don't you see the difference between our way of being all in and Jesus' way of being all in? According to James, John, guy one, guy two, guy three, they were all in. And I think they're almost expecting that we would be all in for them too, right? And it's that we're generous with one another when it comes to cutting each other some slack for being all in and not being all in. And I think that's pretty tempting because, one, if we are generous and we cut our friends, even our Christian friends, some slack every once in a while, well, then maybe they'll cut us some slack back and then we can all be happy and content being all in even though we're not really all in for our safety. I think then we're more ready to cut ourselves some slack when maybe we get pretty upset with what people say. And we use the excuse, well, they're opposing Jesus. And we let our emotions get the best of us in the way that we talk about someone. Or maybe even the way that we write off a whole group of people instead of loving our neighbor and loving our enemies and being kind and generous and being generous, especially for the gospel. But it's okay, right, if we just take care of ourselves, isn't it? And I wouldn't really call it revenge. I'm just calling it taking care of things, taking care of my family. Maybe even go so far as I'm just taking care of my Savior. I'm just taking care of my church. Or what about this idea that I'm all in for God, except for whatever my particular issue is or my particular need is, have you ever thought that way before? You know maybe it's not anger or or revenge but maybe it's just your thing. Maybe it's just that that one sin. Right? Everybody's entitled to one. And you can tell God, "Well, I am all in except this one thing." And you feel that you can say that and you can do that because of all the other sins that you say no to. And you say, "Well, I'm all in," right? And you can probably find someone who say, "Yeah, you're good. You're all in." It's just one thing. Or maybe it is family, right? Or it's that one situation. You know what, Jesus, if you would take care of this one situation for me and my family, then I'd be all in. But then you can still go to your friends and say, see, I'm all in, right, guys? And they'll say, yeah, you're all in. It's just this one thing. Or maybe it's that one blessing. You desperately want that one blessing from Jesus and he just won't give it to you. And so you feel that you are okay because you don't fully trust in God and you're not fully rejoicing in Jesus because he hasn't given you that one blessing. And then all your friends will say, yeah, you're good. You're all in. It's just this one thing. Can you imagine just for a minute if our way of being all in was Jesus' way of being all in? If that's the way that Jesus approached his life, his service to us and his role as being Messiah, the Savior of the world. If Jesus said, sure, I'm all in, you know, except for you know this one thing, except for this one time, I just really had enough. I had enough and I pounded the snot out of some Pharisees because the way that they were talking and the things that they were doing, they completely undermined the Sermon on the Mount. And I just had it. Other than that, I'm all in. I'm your perfect sinless Savior, right? Or what if it was family for Jesus? What if he would tell you and me one day, you know what, I saw what it was going to be like for Mary to go on with life after I died to pay for your sins on the cross, and that made her pretty sad, and I don't want that for her, so I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do so much for you, but I'm not going to die and leave my mom alone. But I'm still your Savior, right? I'm still all in. Aren't I? And then I'll tell you what, I'm going to build her a house too because I love my mom and I want her to be happy. And I'm going to build this house and we're going to live in it together. Oh, and I'm going to resurrect my stepfather Joseph and I'm going to make both Joseph and Mary immortal so that we can be a family forever. And I know that technically I won't be your savior anymore because I technically won't have lived and died for you, but I'm still all in, right? I still love you so much. It's absurd, isn't it, to think that Jesus would approach it that way? But then why is it okay for us to approach being all in for God in that way too? When we say, well, it's just this one thing and that person had it coming? Or it's just this one little area and I want this one blessing and I enjoy this one sin and I have this need that I need fulfilled? And you know, our way goes over pretty well in this life, doesn't it? In this world and in our culture today, But that does not go over very well when we stand before God and we have to give an answer for the choices that we've made, the things that we've done, for the times that we've told, yeah, I'm all in. But we know in our hearts we aren't and God tells us in his word we aren't. That's why Jesus' way of all in, being all in, is so important. And that's why he went all in all the time. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman So that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. When it came time for Jesus to be born, to live all in, he went all in, didn't he? He became fully human for us. When it came time for him to put himself under every law, every rule, every authority, Jesus went all in. Told the kids he never disrespected anybody at home. He never disrespected the authorities. He never dishonored God, his heavenly father. He went all in to be our savior God, even when it was not easy. I mean, I'm sure it upset him pretty much to see what the Pharisees were doing. But he continued to he was firm with the law, but he continued to love them. And he even went to the cross for them, didn't he? He loved his enemies for the times that you and I don't always love our enemies. And he didn't let his friends and family relationships stand in the way of being our perfect son the Savior, did he? Even though he loved his disciples, he didn't let them get away with sin, not at all. He didn't let James and John get away with what they wanted to do. He never let family come between him and doing his father's will. And then when it came time to die for the times that you and I knew, for the times that we say, Jesus, I'm all in, and we're not. And we know we're not. Didn't Jesus die for those sins too? And for every time that maybe we were a little quick to get angry and to get through that. And for those times that maybe we wanted to give our family and our friends a pass on what they were doing because we didn't want to upset them. in those times that we hold out our full love for Jesus because he's not giving us this, this, or this. Jesus died for all of it. You know that we were, you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, not with things that pass away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Being all in means that we trust in the life that Jesus lived perfectly for us. Being all in means that we trust in the sacrificial death that he died for us to pay for all of our sins. Being all in for Jesus means that we tell God about it when we're not all in for him. And we call that confessing, don't we? And then we trust that he fully and freely forgives us. Being all in for Jesus means we don't find as many exceptions as we can and as many justifications as we can for not being all in. Instead, it means that we pray God gives us the strength to remove all of the exceptions and to remove all of our excuses so that we can truly enjoy a relationship with our Heavenly Father. All in is all in, right? And not all in is not all in. And sometimes in this life when people are all in, they're bluffing. Or they don't have what it takes and they're going to lose. But when Jesus says he's all in for you, it's not a bluff, is it? It's not something to make you feel a little bit better about yourself or about your situation or about the life to come. It's the fact that Jesus went all in and he won for you and he won for me. And he knows it's not always easy for us to be all in. So if you have that one thing or two or three, five, ten things that make it hard for you to be all in and live for your sake, tell him about it. Right? Tell him about it. Because he has the power to change your heart. He has the power to comfort you, the power to strengthen you. Tell me about it. Right? We can talk about it. We can go to God's word together and find that direction, maybe find that forgiveness that you need. And then that strength to be all in for Jesus. May the fact that Jesus is and always will be all in for you. May it comfort you. And may it conform your life and mine to truly what it means to all live for Jesus. So that we can be empowered to live for him now. And bring him eternal glory in heaven. Amen.